0: Stephen, Yeah, you know, I've been learning a lot this year about the idea of um, the fact that that we have spiritual authority in Christ. And um, Stephen told me that story and felt really compelled to share it. And I felt like, yeah, you know, like, let's do it. Um, Now, was Stephen the only guy praying that day? Maybe not. But did he see the power of God at work? I I believe he did. I had a friend who was actually in, um, I think it was the hurricane in Mexico. It was the one in, what was the city it was going to hit? Do you remember? Uh, not like right around Alcapoco, though. And, and it was like supposed to hit, and it just dissipated. She was in a stairwell waiting. And so um, I think it's just a sign that, that God does work through our, our prayer. And again, was Stephen praying alone? Probably not, right? We were probably a lot of people, but does Stephen have the faith to pray in the authority of being a son of God? Yes. And we, that's what we have. Like we are, uh, we, if, if you are a Christian, you, um, you are an heir to the throne of God. And so I just wanted Stephen to share that. I also wanted to say um, we're trying to widen the end of our worship time. So if you feel like, man, there's something God really wants me to share, I want you to, to find me and tell me. And maybe that's something that, that the rest of us need to, sh- need to hear as well. So anyways, thank you, Stephen, for sharing this morning, man. So we're going to transition um, to the scripture today. But before we do that, uh, I'd love to pray. Lord, thank you, uh, God, just for this morning. Lord, thank you to the story of faith, God, that we heard. I pray that you would increase our faith, Lord, as your children. Lord, we believe that you want to move, God, in in, in power. You want to move in our lives. You want want to see um, the land around us change. You want to see people around us change. And so, God, I ask for more of your power um, this morning. Lord, I admit to you, God, that I I come uh, in weakness today, feeling a little sick, and so, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, give me clarity of mind, Lord, and that you would um, just speak the word that you want to share this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I'm excited to continue our series. This morning, last week, we started uh, a series on the story of Mary called Encounter, the idea of encountering the presence of God. And, um, you know, what we want this season to be, this Christmas season, we want it to be a season where you get to experience um, and, and interact and encounter God uh, in, in this time. That it wouldn't be, Christmas wouldn't be just a time about you, but it would be a time of going deeper with the Lord. Uh, sometimes, and I know for me personally, Christmas can be a time of great distraction. Anybody else feel that? There's so much pulling at us, there's family, there's all sorts of expectations that we have to fill. And I'm a parent of three young kids. And believe me, those kids have expectations (laughs) when it comes to what's gonna be under that tree on December 25th. That's a lot of weight to carry, guys. Um, But yes, we we can, parents, if you're with me here, we can stress a lot about, am I gonna make this Christmas a blessing for my kids? It's like, oh man, it's on me to create this blessing of Christmas for my kids, to meet their expectations. Will they like the Christmas that I'm able to provide them? And it's kind of this bigger picture of life. Sometimes we feel like we have to bring the blessing, right? We have to create the blessing, and yet God wants to to give us a blessing to receive. And so sometimes we Um, We can carry that weight, like, oh, the the blessing, my family, all of it, it's on me. Um, My grandma was born in 1922. She grew up in logging camps around Aberdeen, Washington. And she talked about in those logging camps at Christmas at that time, it was a blessing to get oranges for Christmas. At that time, 1930s. We've come a long way from what a blessing looks like just a hundred years ago, right? Like, we've placed so much expectation on on us being the the perfect parents for our kids and and doing everything right, and especially that's felt at Christmas. Like, I don't want to fail my kids. And so this series called Encounter, it's an invitation to not rush around and feel that burden, but open up our hands and be able to receive from God, (laughs) to receive a blessing from God, to encounter God in a deeper way it's a reminder, don't miss the moments that God wants to spend with you uh, this this season. And so we've been looking at encountering God through the lens of Mary's story in Luke 1. And last week, we looked at Mary's life getting turned upside down by this encounter with God uh, through the angel Gabriel uh, coming to this young girl who's Fifteen years old, she's got her whole life ahead of her. Everything looks great. She's engaged to a great guy, and this angel shows up and says, um, "By the power of the Holy Spirit, you are <laughs> going to conceive uh, the the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who'd change everything." And and you can imagine the the burden of that on this young girl, like, "Oh my goodness!" But also, she's able to see the blessing. And we talked about last week how. Um, How our uh, How our encounters with God um, They're often both disruptive And also a blessing at the same time Right Um, Our uh, Like our experience with God can be both a burden And a blessing And so this week as we continue in this story of Mary We're going to focus on two aspects of encountering God And they go together The first is seeing God's mercy us being able to see God's mercy at work in our lives, and the second is responding in praise. When we're able to see God clearly, it allows us to respond to him with a heart of praise. So we're going to see how those two things go together. We're going to see that Mary, despite the burden, is able to see God's mercy on her life, is able to see God's hand on her life, And so for her, it doesn't lead her to a place of despair. It leads her to a place of overwhelming praise. And that's what we're going to look like. It's a reminder that as Christians, we can live in a state of continual thanksgiving. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we're facing, we can be thankful because we know God loves us and everything we've received, we don't deserve. It's because of the mercy of God that we have what we have. And so God saves us, too, from from our sins and mistakes. He brings us into relationship with God. He does all the things that we couldn't do. And he fills our lives with his grace and, and gifts along the way. It doesn't mean that life is easy, but it does mean that God's mercy is around every corner for us. So because of his mercy, we can live in a state of praise. We can look at the people in our life, our family, spouse our kids our home it's all gift it's all a gift of God our friends are a gift even living in Blaine is a gift you guys it really is amen right Blaine is a gift sometimes we can't see the gift we can't see the gift that we have and I'm going to use a weird example but I'm going to talk about my water heater for a minute okay sometimes we can't see the gift that we have when we Moved into our house uh, five years ago. Um, I went down, well, this was before we bought our house, but one thing I was really concerned about was this really old-looking water heater in the basement. It was painted white. It had this, like, chrome 50s nameplate on it that said Seidelhuber. I looked up the name of this company. The company went out of business in 1952. Seidelhuber. Seidelhuber. I'm like, that's got to go. Like, I don't know how they survived. Because, like, you know, today you go buy a water heater, it's good for 6 to 10 years. I'm like, this thing, the company went out of business in 52. So it's probably, like, you know, at that point, over 70 years old, 75 years old. So I'm like, all right, we'll just add it to the list of things we have to get rid of as we move in. And we had a plumber come and look at it. And I'm like, yeah, and, and, you know, what do you think about replacing this? And he said, I can't do it. I'm like, really? He's like, I can't replace this water heater in good conscience. I was like, why? He's like, this water heater right here is made of solid bronze. Solid bronze. It will last for another hundred years. It will outlive you. I was like, wow. They don't make things like they used to, I guess. Solid bronze. He said, man, even if you wanted to scrap it, you'd probably get 500 bucks for this thing. Just scrapping it. And it was like, wow, sometimes you don't see those blessings that are right in front of you, right? You look at what you have, and you're like, oh, man, that, that looks like a hunk of junk. And it could be made of solid bronze. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that the—okay, I don't know that story, but we'll have to tell you <laughs> later. Um, the, cost. the cost? I didn't—I didn't—I uh, kept it. We still have it. We still have <laughs> the Seidelhuber. Um— And it's working fine. It's crazy. It will probably outlive uh, outlast uh, me. So um, sometimes what we see in our lives as like a burden, something we have to fix could be God's blessing. Right. Could be something that God has blessed us with. Even the difficult situations and relationships and the problems in our life. God uses those things even more than the good times in our lives to shape our character. Right. To shape our hearts to make us more like Jesus. You know, sometimes we get frustrated and we say, God, I didn't want to deal with this family situation. I didn't want to deal with this work situation. I didn't want to deal with this financial situation. I didn't, uh, didn't want to deal with this uh, other person who's in distress. But God is using that to build something beautiful in us. It's a blessing of God. And when we get close to God, when we encounter God, it's way easier to see those blessings. It's way easier to see those blessings. When we, w- when we don't encounter God on a regular basis, when we, don't, when we don't feel close to God, those things can look more and more like burdens. So let's look at that in, in Mary's story here. Um, so Mary obviously was given this great blessing, both a great blessing and a great burden. A great blessing that she's blessed uh, among women, that she gets to carry the, the Messiah, that, um, this newborn king from the throne of David, but then the reality is, you know, she's a 15-year-old peasant girl with this huge burden from God, and God understands and God sees, but nobody else does. Even her husband Joseph or fiance Joseph, without God's intervention, is going to leave her. Right? If, if God didn't speak up, he was planning to leave her. So God saw her, but who else would believe her story? And what we're going to look at today is there was someone else who saw and believed the good news immediately, and that was her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth saw Mary. Elizabeth was a much older relative of Mary. Uh, she and her husband, Zechariah, had also experienced a miracle of God. In her old age, she can she uh, conceived uh, John the Baptist, and um, this was six months um, before before Mary she conceived John and and uh, John the Baptist would be the prophet that would go and prepare the way for Jesus, and so after Mary gets this news, Elizabeth is the one that she runs to immediately, and so we're going to read this story today, starting in Luke one thirty-nine, says this. At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So this happens right after the angel Gabriel leaves Mary. Um, Mary is so excited, and she knows the person that she's going to run and share this moment with, and it's it's Elizabeth. She doesn't waste any time she basically says she packs up and leaves and this wasn't a short journey Um, they lived in this town in the Judean hillside called Hebron is about an 81 mile trek for her (laughs) you can imagine just boom she's out and and travels 81 miles I I don't know if she had a donkey or on foot at this point but um, she went 81 miles to meet Elizabeth and when the two finally meet you can imagine the anticipation of that moment and when the two finally meet the overwhelming and overpowering emotion is tremendous joy in what God has done. It's unreal joy. And, and it's signified in the fact that an unborn baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. I don't, I don't know um, if you've had kids, there's something special about that moment when you can feel the baby leaping, you know? It's a very joyful thing. And in this moment, it's this sign of the prophetic calling on that baby's life, that this baby, even before birth, is anointed with the Holy Spirit, which kind of blows my mind, right? Which kind of blows my mind. And I definitely don't want to get political, but I think that it's also the sign of this. There is value of life, whether inside or outside the womb. And, um, here we have a baby responding to the presence of God's son. We have a baby in the womb touched by the Holy Spirit. Uh, even Zechariah earlier in Luke 1:15 says that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he is even born. Like there is a calling on this child, and I don't want to say any statement like that and 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 say it in in a cocky way or a detached way. Like we as a church, like we need to be dedicated to helping mothers who are in like crisis pregnancy situations that is our calling that's what we're supposed to do what we need to be doing i'm I'm just saying that there is apparent value in this in this child in this moment so the holy spirit is at work and he's also at work in someone else in the room the mother elizabeth the holy spirit touches elizabeth In this very moment, and fills her with a blessing, Uh, fills her with a blessing to give to Mary. And what I love about the gospel of Luke is that the gospel of Luke is unique in the fact that he focuses more on the the Holy Spirit than any other gospel writer. He also focuses um, on the perspective of people who would have been in the margins more than anybody else. So, for instance, Luke is the only one of the gospel writers who tells the Christmas story from the perspective of Mary. So Matthew tells it from the perspective of Joseph, but Luke looks at it from the perspective of Mary. Luke also focuses on on Jesus' incredible attention towards people who are suffering, and people who are are on the margins of society. And, um, And so Luke focuses on this blessing between these two women that 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 through God's power, uh, Elizabeth get, pours out this joyful blessing to Mary, where it says in a loud voice, she exclaims, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. So Elizabeth uses this word, euloheo, um, which is like the word eulogy, which we think of in a real kind of like somber sense, because eulogy is what we say at someone's funeral. But if you eulogize someone, it's like you're trying to honor them from the deepest part of yourself, right? And so this is a moment where Elizabeth is trying to honor Mary, the faith of Mary, and the gift that moved from the deepest part of herself, uh, from the deepest part of herself. Elizabeth was celebrating her faith and what was to come. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is Mary's faith. Blessed is what's going on. Elizabeth can see this because she's encountered God. She's encountered God. She can see what's going on. When everybody else only sees a pregnant, unwed mother, Elizabeth sees, no, this is what's going on. This is what God's doing. And that's why Mary's so quick to run to Elizabeth to celebrate with her. Others might only see the disruption. They might only see Mary as the clunky water heater, right? (laughs) But Elizabeth sees what God is doing, and there's so much value when, when we're close to God and we can confirm in other people, man, I see God doing this in your life. That is a powerful, powerful thing. God opened her eyes to see a blessing when others only saw chaos. And Elizabeth sees this incredible gift of God to the world inside of Mary. And he, she also sees the beauty in uh, um, Mary's faith to believe in God's promise. Right? She sees it. She confirms this. And so this is the point I want to make today, friends. What we need to realize is this truth. That faith allows us to celebrate God's work in our lives, both finished and unfinished. When we have faith, we can celebrate what God is doing in others and ourselves. That I'm not finished, but God's at work in me. God is doing something. That you're not finished, but we should celebrate the wins. We should celebrate and see the wins and the victories. And I I admit, as a pastor um, and someone who's been put in a leadership position, um, sometimes I have a next-hill mentality, right? Right? Well, what's the next hill we got to take, right? What's the next thing we got to do? What's the next threshold we got to meet? Who's the next person I need to talk to? And what this story is telling me is actually slow down and celebrate what God is already doing. Sometimes we're not good at that. Sometimes we have this pressure, like at Christmas, that we have to bring the blessing all the time. And this is a moment of deep celebration. And my prayer, church, is that we'd be able to step into that kind of celebration for each other, right? That we'd be able to celebrate the wins in each other's lives, right? Yeah, we're all unfinished products. We still got a lot of work to do uh, that God has to do in us, I mean. But we can celebrate the steps. We can celebrate the moments where we see God show up. And in order to do that, we need to be close to God to see God at work. So when we see each other grow, let's celebrate when someone gets baptized. Let's celebrate when God gives somebody a, a, a word um, that, that is received in community. Let's celebrate that because God is showing up. God is at work. Um, God, God speaks to us through his word, but he's still living and active today at work in our lives. And so when, when we show up, when he shows up, let's celebrate that, celebrate his presence in our lives. He's not calling us to live with that unyielding burden. He's not calling us to be a workaholic, all right? He's not calling us to just work, 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 because that's what God wants good Christians to do. He's calling us into a new kind of life, one that involves celebration. It involves rest. It involves the care and love of community. And if we're able to Worship and celebrate and experience together the presence of God and make that known to those around us, that's enough, right? Experiencing the presence of God, inviting others into that is enough. And so the fact that God loves us just for who we are should bring praise from our hearts. I was thinking about this, uh, you know, um, my son, John, his birthday's today. He's not, he's not here today, um, but his birthday's today. I'm, I'm going to go. We have a party planned later on. day got, got a little mixed up. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, turning 10 today. And I was thinking about this. You know, we celebrate the years of our kids' lives. They, they mark something, right? We don't celebrate our kids because they're perfect, but we do celebrate growth, Right? Like, another year, that's a big deal. You remember what it's like to be 10, you know? It's different than being 11. Totally, totally different. <laughs> but when God looks at us, he celebrates growth. Like, if it, where does that parenting impulse come from? It comes from God the Father, right? When God looks at us, it's not just demand, demand, demand. He's celebrating our growth because we're his kids, so we get to celebrate. Uh, we get to join in that celebration over each other and in the th- little things of life, the little victories. And so what that makes a, this is a celebrating community, right? Yes, there are times where, where as a church, we need to, as the Bible says, admonish and correct and do those sorts of things to, because we love people, warn people if they get off track. But just as much as we do that, we need to be celebrating the wins. You need to be celebrating the victory in each other's lives because it's important and it's awesome and so we need to be a celebrating community so mary's heart is very full in this moment with elizabeth she's overwhelmed by the joy of the lord and she sings this song that's a famous hymn of the church it's called the magnificat um, which simply means in latin the magnification where she magnifies. This is her heart magnifying the Lord. The Magnificat historically has become a very famous hymn in the church. And uh, it's all about Mary magnifying the Lord. And actually, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the, the whole thing. Today, I'm only going to take the first part um, because it's so rich and so deep, and it speaks to so many different aspects of encountering God. So today, I'm just going to take the first part. But when you think about magnification, the word, what comes to mind? I can tell you what comes to my mind. I grew up with a grandma who loved crossword puzzles, loved them. They would come out, the Sunday one, she looked like a cartographer. She would have like, it just spread out on a table and she'd have a huge magnifying glass. There's was like Indiana Jones you know, on the crossword and, and she was like a crossword genius. And she, she would do, you know, every, every day she would, she would do her crossword. And so what comes to my mind is that magnifying glass, right? You know, as her eyes go, she needs to see those words clearly so she can think clearly. And that's what a mag- magnification is, is that we actually magnify God to the world, right? We're the ones who expose the greatness of God to the world. We're like God's magnifying glass so that others can see. Like, oh, that's that's who Jesus is, that's who God is. When we praise, when we step into a, a state of worship, we're praising God, and we're allowing the world to know who God is. We're putting that focus on Jesus, right? And that's that an idea of magnification. We magnify God through our love, through the way we bless others and speak into each other's lives. Uh, through God at work in our lives and in, in, in deed and power. And not everybody wants to magnify God or, or will react positively to others magnifying God, right? Some people would rather God not be magnified. It's like, we'll keep them in, over here in a, in a self-contained box. And so sometimes if we magnify the Lord, that might cause some tension, and that's Okay. Uh, For others, it may cause curiosity, right? Our worship will cause curiosity, like, wow, you have hope in the middle of this trial. Where does that hope come from, right? So we are called to praise and magnify the Lord. Our praise, regardless of how people respond, magnifies God to the world. And so what we're going to do today... Is we're going to start this process of looking through the Magnificat. And I just want to take the first two verses today because they're really important and and they really get to a core part of who we are. So I'm going to share that um, briefly and then uh, then we're going to wrap up today. But um, let's look at verses 46 and 48. Mary says this And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So Mary says her soul glorifies or in other translations and and closer to the original Greek magnify. My soul glorifies or magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now we might read this and pass it over, but it's actually really, really interesting the way that she words it, that her soul magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Have you guys uh, ever kind of wrestled with, what's the difference between my soul and my spirit? Anybody ever wrestle with that? Or just me? Yeah, I, d- I, d- I dove in this week um, because there is a difference between your soul and your spirit. Did you know this? There is a difference. And Mary uses two different Greek words to talk about what's going on. So in Greek, soul and spirit are different. Um, The Greek word for soul is psyche. Your psyche contains your mind, your emotions, and your will. Basically what you desire. That is your soul. Everybody has a soul. Everybody has a soul that contains their mind, their emotions, and their desires. And our soul is different from our body. Often it's at odds with our body, right? If you ever heard somebody say, I feel younger than I am, or I feel older than I am, right? We're all souls with our own minds, emotions, and will. And Mary praises God, magnifies God with her whole self, saying, all my emotion, all my will, all my mind praises the Lord. It sounds a lot like the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So your spirit is different. Your spirit, she uses the word pneuma. Pneuma, which means breath. The breath of God. So the spirit is the breath of God in you. So we all have a soul, but the spirit is the breath of God in you. And this comes all the way back from Genesis. In Genesis 2-7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So your spirit represents your spiritual life. The God breath, the God life in you is your spirit. God gave man his breath. His spirit gives us life. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the spirit man died. This is the hope of Jesus. Is when Adam and Eve sinned, sin killed the spiritual man. But in Christ, the spiritual man is restored, spiritual being is restored. Our spirit is revived. And so when Mary says, uh, rejoices, her spirit rejoices in the God who saves, it's true. Jesus saves our spirit, revives our spirit. And Jesus would restore the breath of God in mankind, in, in, in his church, in the people who believe. And in the spirit, we have spiritual gifts, Right? We have different gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about different manifestations of the Spirit in all of us. We all have these different gifts to bring, whether it be generosity or mercy or teaching. We all have things that are that are like the breath of God breathed out in our lives. And one of the greatest joys in your life is finding out what that is. What has God put inside you to give to the world? As 1 Corinthians 12 says, for the common good. So, that's the difference between soul and spirit Mary rejoices because God has saved her in his mercy restoring her soul and her spirit and so the good news this morning is that we can take joy in the God who saves and revives our spirit in his mercy that, and God will restore our spirit and soul so that we can be a whole person you know what humans are complicated you know Did you know that There's a lot going on right here. You know, there's a lot. Mind, heart, will, spirit. And God knows it all, and God created us as complex beings. And God wants us to worship him from our whole being, that every part of us would be restored to God. And so when I talk about the difference between soul and spirit, you should know that you are created in the complex image of God. Right? With all the different things going on. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your spirit. That's a lot going on, right? So, the challenge this morning is this. Steward your soul and spirit so you don't miss out on the blessing of God. Steward your soul and spirit so you don't miss out on the blessing of God. Your soul needs encounter with God. Your spirit is alive when you encounter God. You need to be encountering God. And if I can just give you one place to start this week, it's staying in the Word of God. Allowing God's Word to teach us and shape us. Uh, We have devotionals available. Like, sometimes that's an easy way. Um, We actually have devotionals that track along with this series in the back. Man, if you just need a place to start, do that. But I know this, like, our soul needs god right it cries out we try to fill our soul and our 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 lives with all these things that don't satisfy like it's like junk food right the world has a bunch of junk food and candy to offer us but our soul is really craving like a real genuine touch from god right i shared a a few weeks back about um, something that my freshman basketball coach told me and it's still true Uh, even it stuck with me he said tyler you have a you have a uh, a flesh dog and a spirit dog inside of you and if you feed the spirit dog that spirit dog is gonna grow and be strong and 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 your spirit will be strong But if you feed the flesh dog that flesh dog is gonna be strong and take over that spirit dog and in my 15 year old mind that clicked for me you're right coach that's great now help me work on my layups I mean come on I'm still struggling with layups I don't know what it is but um, But, no, I wanted to share this with you. Um, We are talking about the Word of God and how that that is a place where we can start this encounter. Look at what it says in Hebrews 4.12 about the Word of God and what it does with our soul and spirit. It says this. It says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart nothing in all creation is hidden from god's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account so can you see the importance of god's word it it pierces our hearts right our our soul it, divides, it can it can help us distinguish our soul and our spirit it can look at our lives it's the judge of our lives like god what needs to change in my life how am i living that is the report card right there, right? How are you living according to the Word of God? Not what anybody else thinks, but just the Word of God. The Word of God is how God shepherds us primarily in His truth. So my encouragement to you this week is start there. Start in the Word of God. So um, we are gonna, I'm going to pray, and then what I'm going to encourage us all to do is we're going to take communion today. Um, but I'm going to encourage you. We're not going to, you can take communion um, kind of it as your own personal reflection. I'm not going to lead from the front this morning. Um, we also have the, uh, the kind of like germ-free uh, communion. And then we have this bread that's been awesome. Um, I'm going to take the uh, germ-free communion, just so you know. I'm not going to touch the bread this morning. Um, but I want to encourage you as you process, as you take communion, whether you want to take it as a family or individually this morning. um, Come before God and, and, and ask him this. What have I been feeding my soul lately? Because as we take in Christ, Jesus wants to actually, he called himself the bread of life. Like he wants us to take him in. And this is the most tangible, visible way we do that. Is this reminder of, Jesus, this is your body broken for me broken for me. I'm covered in grace and mercy. Um, Jesus, this is your blood poured out on me. I am a clean person. There is no guilt, no shame, no fear, because I'm covered in the blood. So this is the place to start this morning. Um, I'm going to pray, and then as you feel led, as Brian leads us in worship, take communion. You can take it with your family. You can take it in an individual moment between you and God. Um, but, But that's how we'll close this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you so much. Where we come before you this morning, Lord, asking to receive from you this season. Help us to receive your grace. Help us to receive your mercy. Help us to receive, God, not not hear, hear just the the burden of all the things we've done wrong, but, God, the life that's in you and the forgiveness of, the, of those things. Jesus, it's only through you and and nothing else that we can experience the life we were meant to experience, that we can walk in the joy of the Lord. And, God, if, if uh, we came in here this morning feeling discouraged, God, feeling... Um, hurt, feeling um, fragile, feeling tired, feeling angry. Lord, would your spirit hit us this morning and and fill us with the joy of the Lord as we surrender to you. Help us to surrender whatever it is. God, help us to walk in the joy of the Lord. That's not just for a a few people. It's for anyone who believes. Anyone who calls on the name of Christ. And so if we haven't done that this morning, I pray, God, that you would lead us to Christ. As we take communion, lead us to see what you were willing to give. And that we might receive that, not with a hard heart, but with an open heart. So that we could just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. So that we could just praise you for the mercy that you've given in Christ. That we could just be transformed by this encounter with Jesus we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick reminder before we take communion, um, kids, if you want to hang out here after service, we're going to have um, prep for the Christmas Eve service. So anyways, let's, uh, let's have this time of communion.